This podcast is brought to you by Racing Thread, Formula One clothing for literally any occasion. Their clothing features subtle, evocative, embroidered designs of your favorite F1 moments. From Ricardo's McHorsey entrance to Kevin's first bowl. From Pierre and Yuki's bromance to Inspector Seb, the moments are endless. Whether you're out to dinner with friends, watching the race at home, or cheering in the grandstands, gone are the embarrassing sponsor logos. Instead, Racing Thread is F1 clothing you are comfortable wearing anywhere. Dirty driving listeners can get 15% off Racing Thread's entire range of t-shirts, sweatshirts, polos, and bucket hats using the code DIRTYDRIVING. Head over to RacingThread.com to shop F1 racewear for anywhere. It's chaos. It's a different type of Sunday scary. It's your newest obsession. It's Dirty Driving, a Formula One podcast. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday morning. We've made it through another race weekend, and I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted by this weekend. We had a practice round. We had a race quality. We had the sprint shootout. We had the sprint, and we had the Grand Prix, which when you look at it, it's the same amount of sessions in a regular weekend, But for some reason, this weekend was a lot more taxing. I don't know if it was just because we were waking up at 4 a.m. or what the deal was, but I'm exhausted. And it's thanks to F1 this weekend. So again, it might have been the fact that it was crazy starting on Tuesday when the sprint format was announced, but it really continued throughout the weekend and... Here we are. It's Monday morning. We're exhausted, but let's talk about the race. Let's talk about the weekend. I'm going to pause here and say if you've not listened to the pre-weekend episode and you have no idea what I mean when I say a sprint shootout, this is the time to take a pause from this episode and go listen to the pre-weekend episode where I explain how the new sprint weekend layout works because it is a little confusing and I'll try my best throughout this episode to be very clear about the race quality versus the sprint shootout. This weekend, Leclerc was able to give Ferrari some hope. Red Bull continued to dominate. Mercedes fall back from their Australian pace. Aston Martin had some DRS issues, but McLaren's upgrades seem pretty decent. Let's get into the details of the weekend, starting off with the king of the streets, Sergio Perez, our two-time race winner this weekend. So in quali, in the race quali, he took third, which is the grid position that Max won the race from back in 2022. In the sprint shootout, he managed second. He beat out Leclerc and Max in both the sprint and the race. In the sprint, he managed to pull ahead of Charles after the restart thanks to his DRS. He had only managed one third place finish in three previous sprints. So the fact that he came out, he took the eight extra points home and he won this sprint. It was not in my bingo card for the weekend. I had him winning the race, the Grand Prix, but I did not have him winning the sprint. 
He also became the first ever driver to win multiple Azerbaijan Grand Prix, as well as now holding the record for most podiums by any driver on the Baku circuit. His last five wins have all come on street circuits, Baku in 21, Monaco in 22, Singapore in 22, Jeddah in 23, and now Baku in 23. Coming in number two, Max the Bitch Verstappen. I think that's my new name for him because I've always defended this man. I've always given him the benefit of the doubt. But after this weekend, I'm fed up with Max Verstappen. He had multiple bitch fits all weekend. So in FP1, he went fastest. That's kind of the best he gave us all weekend. In quali, he did take second, which is his first ever front row start in Baku. And Red Bull have never taken a pole here. So was not that surprised that they didn't take pole here, but I had not thought that it was going to be Charles Leclerc. But we'll get into that in a minute. Max, in the sprint shootout, he struggled with grip and landed in third. In the sprint, here's where the bitch fit comes. He had a little run-in between himself and George Russell. There was some damage to his side pod. And then Max, independently from the hit, swung out and tapped the wall. And George Russell was able to make it past the Red Bull. Max immediately started bitching on the radio saying that Russell did not give him enough room. And then Max proceeded to make an absolute clown out of himself this weekend when after the sprint, Max approached George berating him for not leaving him enough room. And George simply responded with he had no grip. Max took it to a whole nother level saying, mate, we all have no grip. We all need to leave a little bit of space. George said, I know, I know. And Max said, but expect it next time the same, dickhead. (laughs) Yes, on global television, Max Verstappen was caught calling George Russell a dickhead. And (laughs) I'm laughing because do we expect anything less from Max Verstappen? No. Would we have seen that coming from anyone else? No. Am I surprised that Max had a little bitch fit because something didn't go his way? No. George said he was quite surprised and did not expect that reaction from Max. George even said he thought Max was just coming up to say great battle today, but nope, he got called a dickhead. So (laughs) that's Max. And like, again, I just have to laugh at it because it's Max. Like, I'm not, I don't expect any better character from him. I'm sorry, but that's who he is. And I guess I do. We have to accept him as being, but I'll move on. In the race, Max finished second and he was on podium for only the second time in Baku. I will say though that his 81st podium finish surpasses Senna's career total on the day before the anniversary of Senna's passing, which happened in 1994. So congrats to Max for passing Senna's record and rest in peace to Senna as well. In number three, we had Charles Leclerc. He made it clear this weekend that the Mercedes rumors will have no impact on his F1 future 
And after taking pole in the race qualies on Friday, he pointed to the prancing horse on his chest. And we knew that that man was staying at Ferrari. He said, I'm fully committed to Ferrari and I love Ferrari. It has always been a dream for me to be in this team. And my main priority is to win a championship with this team. So the whole Mercedes rumors, it's not something in my mind. In Quali, while the Red Bull was faster in a straight line, we saw that all weekend, Ferrari were simply quicker in the corners. Charles was able to keep it together and take his third consecutive pole position in Baku. He and Max actually scored identical times in their first Q3 runs, but Leclerc was able to pull ahead and take pole. In the sprint shootout, Charles showed up once again, held it together, and took pole yet again to ensure he was starting first in Saturday's sprint. He did crash out in the wall with zero seconds remaining on the clock with a yellow flag coming out. It was quite humorous to see a damaged, beat up, missing half a front wing car in the P1 position where they park the vehicle. So he did it. He made it through. That's all I got to say. He made it through. In the sprint, he reported a cut. He was like, oh, I have a cut. Or, oh, there's a cut. But really, it was a cat. So there was a cat on track under the safety car. The cat ran away, and Charles was not cut. Again, just one of the memeable moments of the weekend. His P2 finish in the sprint gave him seven points, which is more points than he's had all season. So big shout out to Charles. I mean, like, I'm just, once again, I'm impressed by this man. He finished the race in third and scored Ferrari's first podium of the season. But this is the eighth consecutive time that Charles has failed to convert a pole into a win. So we need to, we need to still do a little soul searching with Leclerc, but This weekend, I'm happy with what he gave us, and he's a winner in my book this weekend. In fourth place, we had Fernando Alonso. In the sprint, he managed to get around Lewis for sixth, and in the race, he landed P4, which means he has finished in the top four every race. He missed out on finishing third by just eight-tenths of a second, so we potentially could have seen him take four third places, but we'll have to see what happens next weekend in Miami. There's more to come on the Aston Martins, but I'm going to hold off on that for now. Carlos Sainz. In Quali, he took fourth, meaning the grid was a Ferrari Red Bull, Ferrari Red Bull for the second straight year in Baku. In the sprint shootout, he lost out on the final hot lap with Charles's crash, so he took fifth. He pulled off some great defending in the sprint, which kept him in P5, but all in all, he struggled to match Charles' pace all weekend. His P5 finish in the Grand Prix means that he is the driver with the most points thus far without a podium. I want to see him up on podium, and I want to see it now. I'd love to see it in Miami. I don't know if Ferrari is going to be able to keep up this pace, and I don't know if 
And I don't know if Carlos is going to be able to catch Charles. I'm really hoping so. Again, I'd love to see a podium ASAP from him. Lewis Hamilton was down in six. In FP1, he suffered a brake issue, which caused him to pit early in the session. In quali, he took fifth, meaning he was out-qualified for Russell for the first time this year. And in the race, he finished sixth, which gives Lewis his worst result of the season thus far. Like I said in the intro, Mercedes has definitely lost some pace since Australia. We'll have to see if they can refind it for Miami. Lance Stroll. My dude. He's got some of the best overtaking moments of the year. And in the sprint, he managed to get around Albon in a killer move. He ended the race in P7, and he's only failed to score points in Saudi this year. So the man who had two broken wrists at the beginning of the season has taken points in three of the four races. And again, coming back to the Aston Martins in a little, there's something I want to talk about that they had issues with this weekend, but I'm holding off. George Russell, he finished P8 in the race and stole the fastest lap from Max. I think that's plenty to say about George Russell. He had quite a dramatic weekend with Max calling him a princess and... All the drama that I spoke about when we were talking about Max. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave George at that. Again, we'll have to see where Mercedes is in Miami, because it wasn't their weekend. But it was a good weekend for McLaren. So it starts with Lando Norris, who took a P9 in the Grand Prix. In the sprint, he did lose seven positions, and that's because he chose to start on soft tires, which did not happen for him. It, it just did not click and it was not pretty. So he pit, he put mediums on and he lasted much longer and was able to finish the sprint. In the sprint shootout, he did make it in an SQ3, but he did not have the mandatory new set of softs. So he sat out of the final session. And in FP1, the first session of the weekend, he came in fifth, showing off the new and improved McLaren, which has come a long way since race one. Someone that I've been keeping my eye on this year, like intently keeping my eye on, is Yuki Tsunoda. So not only has he finished the last five races with either a P10 or P11, he's also just been, on average, doing much better than he was doing last year. In quali, he took eighth, which was his first Q3 and AlphaTauri's first Q3 of the season. Early in the sprint race for Yuki, right around the time that Max was wrapping up his bitch fit, Yuki had a moment of understeer, which caused him to touch the wall at the exit of 14 after he made contact with Nick DeVries. He made it back to the pits after losing a wheel, and as soon as he came back into the race, we all knew he shouldn't have been there. And AlphaTauri should have never have let that car come back out on track. In fact, they were fined 5,000 euros for releasing the car in an unsafe condition because as soon as he got back on track, it was clear the damage was too much and it forced a full safety car. Oscar Piastri came in 11th in the sprint shootout. He also was in 11th. And he could have made it in a P10. However, his teammate took that spot from him and then couldn't even compete because he was out of tires. 
Alex Albon took 12th in the race and 9th in the sprint, which is the highest finish by a Williams in 2023. Kevin Magnuson had a tough weekend and fp1 he came to a stop thanks to a loss of fuel pressure in quali he was called to the pits early to retire and then in the sprint he did kind of lead the Haas charge with finishing p11 after nico tumbled down to 15th with tire issues it was simply also not a pretty weekend for haas they struggled all weekend long pierre gasly also had a shit weekend 15 minutes into the FP1 session, there was a huge cloud of smoke pumping out of his car thanks to a hydraulic issue causing flames and the smoke. There was a red flag and his car looked like an oil refinery. That's how dark and thick and black the smoke was. In quality, he brought out another red flag after hitting the wall and crashing out himself. He apologized the fact that the team had pulled the car back together and then he put it in the wall the very next session. In the sprint shootout, he failed to put down a proper time, ending P19. In the sprint, both Gasly and DeVries gained four positions, making up the most positions in the 17 lap race. A new power unit was fitted on his car on Friday, and a new gearbox was fitted on Saturday, but he did not take any penalties for that and finished the race ahead of his teammate in P14, which means Esteban Ocon took P15. He started the sprint and the Grand Prix from the pit lane due to changes made under Park for May. They made changes to his car suspension setup. There's a lot of drivers that had a bad weekend, and I'm just now realizing that now as I'm telling you all the shit that all of them went through, and the next one is Logan Sargent. He got his first ever FP2, and he's the first American to do so since Scott's beat in 2007, and it's the first time Williams got into Q2, both of them, since Russia in 2021. So weekend started out as a high in qualies. In the sprint shootout, he dramatically crashed out while pushing to improve his lap time. He ran way too deep at turn 15 and slammed into the barriers, wrecking the Williams. The back tire was gone. The back rear wing, not pretty. It was really ugly. He mentioned that traffic ahead was partially the blame, and he would have competed in SQ2. He had made it in. He had moved ahead. He had advanced. But the crash meant he could not participate because the car was ruined. And he also screwed up laps for AlphaTauri, excuse me, Alfa Romeo and Yuki. Williams ended up withdrawing Logan from the sprint race thanks to running out of time to fix his damage from the SQ1 incident. Nico Hulkenberg, first time both the Haas cars went out in Q1 since Austin last year. So like I said, it was just not a good showing for Haas this weekend. He also joined Ocon in the pit lane start thanks to a change in the car suspension as well. Valtteri Botas and Guan Yu Zhao land in 18th and 19th. Again, an ugly weekend for a team. I'm just very disappointed in Alfa Romeo. Race one, Hopes were high, they did decent, and they've just fallen hard. They've fallen hard. Every time I look at the screen, Valtteri is in the last three spots. 
and it breaks my heart. And I don't know what's happening there. I need to do a little bit more of a deep dive in Alfa Romeo and figure out what the hell is going on because I'm disappointed. And I don't want to be because I like both of them and I would like to see them both do well. Zhao actually DNF'd from the race for Alpha's first DNF of the year. They both qualified low, leaving Alpha as the only team without a Q3 appearance. To wrap it up, I'm going to say about one last shit weekend, and it was Nick DeVries. After a great FP1 showing, he took sixth. In quality, he crashed into the turn three barriers with 10 minutes remaining in Q1. Red flag. Big old red flag. His third Q1 elimination in four races. And then he made an error at the same corner, turn three, in SQ1, which meant he was done for the weekend. And I don't know what to say about him. He did so well in Formula E, He, which only raced on street circuits. So, like, if anything, we should see improvements on a street circuit. But we didn't. And I'm starting to feel bad for the guy. I'm starting to feel bad for the guy because he's starting to be compared to Latifi and Mazaspin. And I don't know if we're getting ahead of ourselves or if I'm just trying to give this man the benefit of the doubt because, again, I'm not feeling too hot for him. My winners of the weekend are Chucko, obviously. He did phenomenal, and Chucko over Max any day. McLaren are also my winners of the weekend. The updates seem to be improving in performance, and they scored points for the second consecutive weekend in a row, so I'm happy that things are changing in that camp. My losers, Alpine. Both drivers were done in FP1 because they ran checks on Ocon's car after the Pierre issues. And Alpine are now pointless in consecutive races. And I I had so many higher hopes for them, especially with how they were framing how their year was going to go. I'm finally getting to the Aston Martin thing because they're my honorable mention. They qualified P6 and P9 in the race qualies, but both drivers suffered from DRS issues, which cost them time on Friday. So to give you a quick explanation, at some times the DRS flaps were opening, sometimes they weren't. It went back and forth on both of the cars. This is because they introduced a new rear wing, which they were clearly having trouble with. So they also qualified 8th and ninth in the sprint shootout, and they finished P7 and P4 in the race with Alonzo and P4. I'm giving them the honorable mention because despite all of the issues they had with their DRS, on Friday and Saturday, they eked it out on Sunday and gave us a pretty decent result considering everything that happened the previous two days. The last award, disappointing award, I don't even know what to call it. My biggest loser of the weekend is whoever allowed the media personnel on to the pit lane before the race was over. I'm not sure if you've seen it, I'm not sure if you caught it. It was at the very end of the race, but there was a group of 20-ish media personnel standing by the entrance to the pit lane. Esteban Ocon was coming in and had to slow down to avoid bowling through 12 people. 
they were jumping out of the way at the last second to not be hit by Ocon. And not only is this one of the more dangerous things I've seen happen, it's also following Australia where people were let onto the grid early as well. And it's embarrassing to the sport. I don't know who's allowing things like this to happen, but it's dangerous and embarrassing. And so that's why whoever was in charge and whoever's to blame gets my biggest loser of the week award. Other news to keep an eye on. I wanted to follow up on Franz Tost leaving us at the end of 2023. He confirmed it was his decision one that he made two years ago. He said, it was my decision. It started two years ago. I discussed it already with Dietrich Mannerschitz in those days because I'm 67 years old. And when I was younger, I always said to myself, if you're in a leading position, you should not glue on the seat. You should give this position to younger people, more clever people, creative people, and motivated people. And that could be my hidden gem of the weekend as well, because for someone who is in that prime spot of being a team principal and leading the team and have helped so many of the Red Bull boys on the grid to say like, my time has come to an end. I'm going to let someone else take the reins that deserves it. That's going to bring new ideas, fresh ideas, more motivated people. Like how graceful of him is all I'm going to say. Like how graceful for him to just say, my time is done. I'm going to step back. I'll still be an advisor, but I'm going to step back and take care of myself and do my own thing. F1 also announced this weekend that they are going to race to the streets of Baku until 2026. So there's a new three-year agreement signed. Baku always delivers. Even though the race was a snoozer this weekend, the rest of the weekend really did deliver. And that's great because we were all nervous about this new sprint layout. Charles Leclerc had a new song drop. I didn't mention this in the pre-weekend. I think I just completely forgot, but... He was very surprised at the reaction to his new single. So earlier this week, Charles released a song, a four-minute classical piano song titled Aus, as in Australia 23. He said, I'm excited to share with you a piano song I've been working on, born out of my passion for music and creating as a way to disconnect from racing and relaxing in between weekends. I've created this song around the Australian Formula One Grand Prix, which is why I called it Aus 23. This debuted on the top 10, and I know all of us Formula One stands are out there listening to this over and over and over again, which got it up there, but he was absolutely blown away by the support that he's received by that, and I can't wait to hear more. If you've not listened to it, it's beautiful, and I'm not just saying that because it's Charles Leclerc. It's actually a beautiful song. Highly recommend you go take a listen. In our standings rundown, Charles Leclerc, our man, our pianist, our pole position man, popped up four places in the championship standings while Oscar Piastri moved up two. Red Bull gained a total of 57 points this year, putting them in the clear lead with an advantage of 118 points. And Williams dropped to 10th in the Constructors' Championship. 
this upcoming weekend, we will be racing in Miami. If you're in Chicago, I'd love to see you at our watch party, which will take place at 2 p.m. on Sunday if you're interested. I also want to throw out there that if you're looking for F1 people to talk to and you're not in Chicago, please join our Discord. We have events every Wednesday night where we hop on and we talk about what the weekend's going to look like. We watch highlights. We just chat and mingle, and it's a good time. So I hope to see you either at the watch party or on the Discord or at least somewhere on our socials. And I hope you guys have a great day. I'm going to go take a nap because, like I said, this weekend was a snoozer on Sunday and overwhelming the rest of the weekend. And I think we all just need a nice little snooze ourselves. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dirty Driving. Until next time, stay dirty. This podcast is brought to you by Red Racer Books a children's book series about the marvelous world of motorsports. Looking to get the kiddos in your life interested in Formula One? The series includes the ABCs of racing, which teaches concepts about racing with Red Racer as your guide. The 34-page book is full of gorgeous illustrations inspired by actual tracks and racing situations around the world. The series also includes the book, all about race cars, a guide to Formula One race cars. Red Racer is joined by Roxy the Engineer, and they walk you through all the ins and outs of F1. This book is packed with 40 pages of beautiful illustrations teaching STEM facts about F1 cars. Red Racer Books is on a mission to give kids in the US and beyond a global perspective on sportsmanship, diversity, science, and technology. Dirty Driving listeners can get 20% off Red Racer Books' entire series using the code DIRTYDRIVING. Head over to redracerbooks.com to buy the kiddos or the adults in your life their new favorite book.